Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. What's driving the conversation in California today? Every weekday at this time, we explore a topic that's making news in our state. This is the State of California. And good afternoon. I'm Doug Sovereign, KCBS political reporter, host of the State of California, along with Patty Rising and Jeff Bell. We are just seven weeks away from California's June 7th primary with races for governor and U.S. Senator topping the ballot. Over the next few weeks before you get your absentee ballot in the mail, we will be having conversations here with many of the leading candidates. And we begin that series today with one of the challengers to Governor Gavin Newsom. That candidate is Michael Schellenberger, a journalist and author. He lives in Berkeley. He ran for governor as a Democrat in 2018 when he finished ninth with about half of 1% of the vote. He's running again, this time as an independent, not a Democrat. He's best known as a proponent of clean nuclear energy and taking a new approach to environmentalism and for arguing that progressive policies are making California's homelessness crisis worse, not better. Michael Schellenberger joins us live today on the KCBS Ring Central Newsline. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, let's begin with a question that I ask pretty much every candidate. Why you? Why do you want to be governor? And, and why would you do a better job than the incumbent, Gavin Newsom? Well, thank, thanks so much first for having me. It's a real pleasure and honor to be here. So I've got a vision for finally solving California's homeless crisis in a humane and cost-effective way that's based on what they've done in every civilized country, every civilized nation in the world. Um, I've used Netherlands as a model in my book. They have a world-class psychiatric and addiction care system. The fundamental problem is that we don't have a statewide psychiatric and addiction care system. We don't have sufficient shelters, and we don't require people to use them. So we're going, when we're elected governor, we're going to put in place a shelter-first, housing-earned policy so that housing, subsidized housing for a select group of people is earned through absence, psychiatric care, or working, or some other uh, measure that gets people towards independence. We're going to have uh, CalPsych, that's what we're calling our, our statewide system, and then we'll enforce laws. I mean, it sounds crazy, but when you don't enforce laws, people don't follow them. But also enforcing laws is the key to getting people suffering from addiction and mental illness who are living on the streets. It, it's the key to getting them the help that they need. So just to put the finest point possible on this, your Cal Psych plan, how does it differ from the governor's proposed care court plan? Well, the governor's actually putting the cart before the horse. I mean, we already have a court system. We have drug courts and we have mental health courts. He's proposing yet another set of courts, legislation, two pieces of legislation, each around 500 pages long. We don't have a proper psychiatric and, and, and addiction care system. If you don't have a proper care system, I think all of us that are concerned at a humanitarian level about the human disaster on the streets would rightly be concerned that you're just finding another way to incarcerate and criminalize people that are at bottom 
sick. They're, they're sick with psychiatric disorders, with addiction. So you have to have a functioning care system first. I mean, we are reviving addicts who overdose for the seventh or eighth time, and then within minutes of reviving them from their near-death experience, putting them right back on the streets, CalPsych will allow CalPsych workers to place those folks into rehab facilities, psych hospitals, shelters, anywhere in the state, somewhere outside of the open drug scenes, because we know from experience that it's very hard for people to recover from addiction living in the middle of an open-air drug market. So this care system, would you create a whole new government agency, or would it be part of an existing government agency? Well, so this is the key, is that right now the reason the system, the reason we spend more than any other state on mental health and homelessness and have the worst outcomes, and I mean we spend more at a per capita level than any other state and have the worst outcomes, the reason for that is because we don't have a statewide system, and so the burden falls disproportionately on San Francisco. It's a very liberal city. It wants to, you know, welcome people, but it's being taken advantage of. People are coming, expecting to be able to get a $750,000 apartment unit from all over the country, taking advantage of the city's liberal attitudes towards drugs, um, towards mental illness. So we need a single statewide care system. It may be that some counties want to have their own system in addition to that, but there wouldn't be a need. Um, We would have a single system so that people can be placed in facilities where there's vacancies, where there's specialized treatment centers. You know, like I said, if you're coming from Alabama and you're on the streets of San Francisco overdosing, you may need to get care somewhere else in California. Also, we'd make an effort to reaffiliate you and reconnect you with family back home. We'd also have a system to get reimbursed by the federal government for providing this care for people who come from out of California. There are many other issues we want to talk to you about, but I've got to ask, the the psychiatric care system you envision, how much would it cost? How would you pay for it? How would you pay for the the shelter beds and the treatment slots you would need to, to make it work? So the system that we're proposing is going to be much more efficient for several reasons. I mean, the first is that it's a shelter first housing earned system. So we, I believe, and the Supreme Court has upheld, that everyone has a right to shelter, to clean, basic shelter. But you don't have a right to your own apartment unit in San Francisco or Venice Beach. That's absurd. There's nothing in the Communist Manifesto, I tell my progressive friends, that says that you should have your own apartment unit in the most expensive real estate market in the world. That's only for people who earn it, and it's not even necessarily in San Francisco. So the statewide system will save it because we're able to provide – the facilities, the group homes, the psych beds, the shelters in lower-cost parts of the state, so the burden is shared equally. The other issue is that we have 58 counties offering duplicative administrative fees. We're going to have a single system that's going to eliminate huge amounts of those wasted excess costs on administration and other costs. And then finally, um, we have an administrative system to get reimbursed by the federal government. Right now, in part because of this inefficient county-based system, but also because Gavin Newsom's whole agenda is controlled by the radical left, which is actually in denial of mental illness, like literally has denied that mental illness impairs people from making proper free choices, that we're not getting the reimbursement we need from Medicaid um, to cover the cost of these folks. So we'd be able to do that under CalPsych. Let me shift gears and ask you about nuclear power. You argue for keeping Diablo Canyon open and, in fact, relying more, not less, on nuclear power. 
Uh, how would you go about doing that safely, and why is that a better approach than expanding renewable energy resources uh, such as solar and wind? Well, so the first thing you have to remember is that Gavin Newsom has been in the pocket of a pro-scarcity so-called environmental movement. It's got a very anti-human history to it. I'm on the side of a pro-abundance, pro-human environmental movement. So California is rich in land, energy, and water. They've deliberately made them scarce to try to keep the population down, and it's been working. That's why so many people have been leaving the state. But we have abundant resources, and with abundant energy, you can desalinate, you can recycle waters. There shouldn't be any conflicts between conservationists, farmers, and residents over water. We're in the worst energy crisis in 50 years in the United States. We don't have enough natural gas. We don't have enough nuclear. And in that context, the governor wants to shut down our largest source of zero-carbon power, Diablo Canyon, which has been safely providing electricity to the state since the mid-1980s. He wants to shut it down and replace it with fossil fuels. Well, that's catastrophic from the, for the perspective of climate change. It's also catastrophic for the reliability of electricity and the affordability of electricity. I'm going to keep the plant operating, and then we're going to take the whole state through a citizen's jury process to really broaden the discussion over a period of a couple of years to really put our energy uh, future on proper ground. The problem, as you know, we keep having these blackouts, even during sunny days when our solar plants are producing significant quantities of energy because it's not reliable. When the sun is setting in the evening is when you have peak electricity demand. And so you have to ramp up your gas uh, when the sun is setting and the sun is going down and you need a lot of – and people and demand is rising. So you've got a fundamental problem with renewables, which is their unreliability. The other issue is the land use. And then finally, we know now that solar panels are mostly being made in China by enslaved, incarcerated Uyghur Muslims. So we're going to have to address the land use issues, the unreliability issues, and the slave labor uh, origins of so much of our solar if we're going to do more of them. All right. Thanks so much for being with us. A lot more we can talk about with you. Maybe we'll have you back uh, later on in the campaign. Michael Schellenberger, independent candidate for governor. Thanks for being with us today. We will be hearing from other candidates for this office over the coming weeks, including we hope Governor Newsom. He's got a standing invitation to return to our show. You can hear the state of California every weekday at 3.30 p.m. It's also available on the Odyssey app. And wherever you get your podcasts, you can find me on Twitter at Sovereign Nation. I'm Doug Sovereign, KCBS. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.